Hey, uh, <clears throat> well, it's 2019 and usually it's a, it's a great time at the turn of a year to just take stock of a few things. Um, usually we're really keen to want to get out of one year and get into a new year and a lot of the time that's because we, we want to somehow get rid of what was in the hope that we'll get something better. Well, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but unless you deal with what was, it's still going to come with you into where you're going. Unless, unless you actually engage and stop denying with the stuff you want to get rid of, unless you engage with that and see the Lordship of Jesus transform that circumstance and your response to it, then that thing's just going to keep coming with you. And then it'll surface when it's least expected. A bit like the Titanic. We're having a great time out on the ocean here and unsinkable ship, you know, and then in the, the, the watch darkness of the night, boom, big thing just happens underneath the waterline. When least expected, unless we deal with the stuff of 2018 that we're so enthusiastically wanting to get rid of, if so we can get into what we hope and we think is waiting for us in 2019, that unless we deal with that with Jesus, that stuff's just going to come with and it's just going to come with. And Jesus has a story there in your history that he is redeeming and has redeemed and wants to inform your future with the power of the victory of that stuff that you think and I think is irredeemable or broken beyond repair. It's Jesus, Jesus came, lived, died, broke the power of the human experience and the power of the demonic and resurrected, was resurrected and now rules and reigns. Jesus, Jesus has established a new creation experience for each of us. But it comes as we bring all of our life to Jesus. This week, Nicole and I, we had a absolute privilege and an honour to host a dinner with the founding members of Pine Rivers Vineyard Church. And, and we sat together and we, we cooked them up some food and we shared some nice wine for those of us that liked the wine. For those that were, didn't drink the wine, they didn't drink the wine, but um, that's their deal. But we had a good time with the Lord and with each other. Now, one of the things that was great as we sat around this table together, was we just took some time together to celebrate and remember what it was that God was doing way back when, even before this group of people found each other. We're talking like 27 years ago, when these random individuals living in this kind of region, following Jesus in their then parts of the body of Christ that they were part of, all of a sudden God began a conversation with their hearts. The Holy Spirit started to move on their hearts and they started to have this sense of growing hunger to see God move. And that was tw some 27 years ago. And then 
And then over the course of a couple of years, this random group of people, by the goodness of the Holy Spirit, found each other. And it was great listening to the stories of even how they found each other. And I was like, this is amazing that God can pluck people from all over this place and begin to forge a new story with them. Well, those, those, those folk that we had dinner with the other night, it was just fantastic. I mean, they're still very much a part of the life of this place. And, I'm, and, I, and then, then they went into storytelling mode. And it was great. Like one would start telling a story and the other would interrupt them. They're like, oh, you know, and they would tell it from their perspective. And it was just on and on. It was hours of it. I mean, we had to pull up stumps, you know, because this group, once you get past about 8 o'clock, they start to get a bit tired. But anyway, we, we, we decided around about half past eight, maybe we should pull up stumps. <laughs> but I tell you, up until that point, they were all bright-eyed and fired up in the retelling of the stories of the last 25 years of the things that they have seen God do. The people, the thousands of people that God has ministered to through the life of Pine Rivers Vineyard. And I was just I was just sitting there, I'm like, this is such a gift, God. Such a gift to be able to sit in in this amazing um, move of your Holy Spirit that these people have stewarded for some 25 years now or more, 27 years. And you know, and then they then they started to turn the stories towards, well, this is what we've seen of you, Kirk, in that time. Now, I've been, I, I grew up in front of them and they gave me permission to grow up in front of them and they gave me permission to learn and to fail. They gave me permission to try stuff that went well and didn't go well. But they just, they just, champ, they have championed Nicole and I before God in all of the time that we've been here and as the senior leaders of this church. And I tell you, one of the things that I, I loved, I loved, I loved, I loved, was in the telling, as they're telling these great stories the other night, it was like it was, like it was you could see it on them because it's in them. You could see it on them because it's in them. You could, it was like they were 25 years ago, just like the fire of God was in them still. You know, Keith Green sings that song, doesn't he, you know? that flame that once burned bright in me. Well, that's burning in these guys and girls. And I'm just like, whoa, God, that's an amazing testimony to your faithfulness to say when you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And at the same time, the faithfulness of these people to keep their hearts engaged in what God's doing, no matter what has transpired in all of that 27 years. It's pretty amazing stuff. You guys are sitting in a privileged encounter of God that's been moving through this place for some 27 years now. You might just think you're rocking up and sitting in a black chair here. Let me tell you something, you're not. You're actually really privileged and honoured by God to be invited into something that he had destiny on and he breathed into some 27 years ago and he continues to breathe on it today. It's privilege. It's absolute privilege that we're here. It's not a right, it's not, no, it's a privilege, it's an invitation from God to say, come and live a different story.
come and live a different life. This year, as we begin a new year here at PRV, Nicole and I are praying. And we are praying that this year would be a year that we would actually, as a people, live into the kingdom of God. Not watch it go by. Not watch it pass by. Not watch others enjoy it. But that we, as a people of Jesus, would live into the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't save you to become a spectator. Jesus didn't invite you into a relationship with him that you might watch from the benches. He saved you, he drew you into a relationship with God so that you might come alive to your God-given rightful destiny that he breathed into you when he fashioned you in your mother's womb. He, he, He is given to that for you and for me. And this year it's our prayer that we would first and foremostly be a people who have a posture in our heart that says we are all in with our heart, God. We are all in. We don't want to be like those people that Isaiah prophesied about. We don't want to be like those people that like through the prophet Isaiah when you said they honour me with their lips but their hearts, they're far from me. And it's the same thing that Jesus quoted to some people one day, some Pharisees one day in Matthew's gospel where he said, you know, they're all getting caught up in religion and tradition. And he says, whoa, and he quotes this Isaiah prophetic word to them. And he says, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. You're honouring God with your lips, but your hearts, your hearts, your hearts are far from. Now, if there's one thing I think we Australians are very, very good at, I think God has given us a nose for this. We are very quick to be able to pick up a hypocrite. We can smell them a mile away. God has fashioned us as a people, a nation of people, that somehow are able to go, you're full of it and you're telling the real thing. There's a grace on us for that. It's actually a gift to the world that God's given us this nose to be able to pick the real deal from the false. And so we don't mind it when God gets up in our grill a little bit with his Holy Spirit and his love. And he says, hey, listen, stop the lip service. Don't give me the lip service. I'm getting up in your grill. I'm getting up in the face here because I don't want lip service from you. I want your whole heart. Just let let the Holy Spirit just marinate that one in a little. Rub that in a little. Don't want the lip service. And the reason why God doesn't want the lip service from us is because every time we do give him lip service, we actually cheapen, we actually cheapen and downgrade the saving work, new creation work that he has won for us to experience and live. We were never meant to be a people of lip service. We were always meant to be a people of whole hearts. If you've got your Bible with you, open it up. Proverbs, King Solomon says this beautifully. And I just want to unpack this a little this morning. But King Solomon says in Proverbs 4.23, he says, Above everything else. Now, 
let's just contextualize that statement above anything else. King Solomon, he, he was known as the most wise person on planet Earth as, as when he was ruling as king. Now, he didn't get everything right in terms of his story and his following of God, but one of the things that he did have by the grace of God was wisdom. And so you can read the Proverbs, and there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these little isms about doing life. You want it to go well? Try honouring your father and your mother. You want it to go well financially? Honour God with your first fruits. You know, all these little isms. You want things to go well with your children? Speak well of them. Well, anyway... Out of all of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of isms and proverbs that Solomon wrote, he says this one in 4.23, above everything else. So take all of the wisdom of Solomon and then just lay this one over the top. Above all else, above everything else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. The heart is a very powerful driver. That's why Ezekiel, when he prophesied, he said there's going to come a day where God is going to take the hearts that are stony and he's going to give them people a new heart and it's soft and it's going to be responsive to God and it's going to be hungry for things of God. And in Christ Jesus, we see the fulfillment of that prophetic word. And now as followers of Jesus, and when any one of us welcomes Christ into our life, as Paul would say, we, in uh, Galatians 2.20, we no longer live. We have been crucified with Christ. His life now lives in me. The heart of God in Jesus now lives in me. We've had these heart transplants. Our life has been renewed by the transforming work of God. The heart of God is now living and beating in us. The Lordship of Christ lives here, right here right here, with every beat that you feel, the Lordship of Christ is there, seeking to lead, love, empower, inform, grace, give you authority, wisdom, vision. Solomon said, above everything, guard that thing. Now, there's a couple of ways we hear that. Usually when we hear that word guard, we hear it through an understanding of defence. That's not what Solomon is saying. Usually when we say guard, what we what we, in the English, what we tend to do is we tend to take a defensive position. I'm going to protect, I'm going to guard myself. Now... All of us have been in relationships and what I want to talk about now is the difference between cl being closed of heart and being guarded of heart because they're very different things. But we've all been in relationships and many of us have thought in the context of those relationships, be it a marriage, 
be it a workplace relationship, be it a marriage breakdown, be it a parent-child relationship, be it a teacher-student relationship, whatever the relationship nature has been. But as a result of the journey of that relationship, there has been somewhere along the line breakdown, separation and pain. And somewhere in the context of all of that, we make these little covenants with ourselves, And they sound like this. I'm never going to let anyone hurt me like that again. Hello? Or am I the only one that talks like that to myself? The problem in doing that is I'm making a covenant with myself. And I'm closing off my heart. Now, the enemy loves that. It's a bit like when, if you read in the the account of the Genesis account, of the historical account of how God formed creation, and there in the context of all of the beauty and the sinlessness of it all, sin enters the garden They do the very thing out of the freedom God said don't, they do. And the next time God comes into the garden, because up until this point, they have had the incredible privilege of walking with God every day in the cool of the day. Just get that. I had a pretty good moment yesterday afternoon walking with God. Did anyone see that really amazing red sunset last night? That was outstanding. And I was kind of walking, as I was walking back home, towards home at the end of my walk, I was looking west and this sunset was amazing. The entire horizon was just this orange sky, burnt orange sky. And I was just like, God, I was somehow drawn into conversation and intimacy with God. And it's only half of what I could imagine Adam and Eve would have enjoyed in the cool of the day walking with God. But they walked with God in the cool of the day up to the point where sin invades and in their freedom to be able to say no, they say yes. And in doing yes, they give away their true identity, their true self, that being made in the image of God because the sin comes and says, hey, if you eat like this, you'll be like God. They forgot they already were made in the image of God. They already had capacity for relationship and health and wholeness with both each other, with God and the created order. But somehow they, in their freedom to be able to say no, they said yes. And as a result of that, the next time God walks into the garden, the account tells us, what did they do? They ran and they hid from God. Shame. I did such a dumb thing. That's... That sin thing that I did, whether it was public or private, I did such a dumb thing. I am just closing myself off because of shame because I don't want God to reject me and I don't want others to really know who I am. I tell you, friends, that's a closed heart. And a closed heart is one where we make these little covenants with ourselves, and I believe the Holy Spirit wants to break the power of, the spiritual power attached to those covenants this morning so that you can know you you don't have to walk life in a defensive position you don't have to walk into each relationship wondering when's this going to go bad when's this person going to hurt me 
When's this all going to go wrong? You don't have to walk in that defensive position anymore. Protectionism is a defensive posture that looks to minimise risk. Another name for that is unbelief. I can't, because if I minimise risk, I can't really truly believe who God has revealed himself to be. Risk. Actually, Wimber in his famous little saying, how do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. Because in doing that, we're actually saying, I'm actually going to believe who you've revealed yourself to be, God, through Christ toward me. Protectionism forms minimizes risk. It forms unbelief. It seeks to minimize pain. And above all else, I don't want an uncomfortable life experience. Well, if you want to have that mindset, you're not going to live the Jesus life at all. (laughs) Jesus said, hey, mark my word, you're going to have trouble. But take what? Take heart. I've overcome the world. So are we living from protectionism? Are we living from a closed heart? The other manifestations of a closed heart is where cynicism forms, where God's prophetic destiny and vision that he's placed in your heart when he knit us together in your mother's womb, it's been replaced. It's been replaced with distrust of God. It's been replaced with distrust of people. Cynicism at its most powerful blinds us to our God-given creative destinies. It blinds us. It, and it not only blinds ourselves. it blinds us from seeing the God-created destiny in those he's asked us to walk with and we don't call it out of each other. We stop calling it out because we prefer to live from cynicism than living from the heart of God. Now, I give my Nicole amazing amounts of opportunity for cynicism. I really do. I, I really do. I give her loads of ammunition for cynicism. And yet, her heart posture towards me for 27 years now has been, I will choose to forgive him. I will choose to believe God's best for him. I will choose to let that go and welcome in God's truth. I will choose to pray that the enemy would just shut that tape off in Kirk's head and that Kirk will hear the Father's voice again. I give, we give each other, we all do, plenty of opportunity for cynicism, but we've been called to live a different life. We've been called to live not from the closed heart, not from a defensive place, not from a place that chooses bitterness over the gift of God, which is forgiveness. But we get the invitation from God to live from the guarded heart. That is one where there's this new creation reality because of Jesus' lordship, a new creation lifestyle that's no longer marked by our unbelief, our cynicism and our inability to forgive. It's marked by the fruit of and the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. 
a heart that is fully spent to God, fully engaged with God, open to newfound freedom in Jesus and allowing the conforming work of Christ to take place because we count it as joy and we see the privilege of the future that comes to us as we allow Jesus to shape us. As 2019 commences and the new season of the renewing work of the Holy Spirit in your life and in our life together begins to move among us, my invitation is live with the guarded heart because everything you and I will do flows from that. Flows from that. And Jesus lives there. Now, the other, th- the other thing is this, with the power and the authority that God gives you, Reject at all costs. Be ruthless about your determination in this. Be ruthless to reject the word and the works of the enemy and the brokenness of people that will choose to want to come and close your heart in again and again and again. Open hearts, full hearts, hearts that are alive in Jesus. There's this great account at the end of Luke's gospel in Luke chapter 24 where two disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus after Christ has been crucified and resurrected. They just hadn't heard that he'd been resurrected yet and so they were living in this place of depression and despondency and they're walking to Emmaus and on the way Jesus comes up beside them. So great was their depression, so great was the spiritual oppression on them. They couldn't even recognise it was him. So Jesus starts talking to them along the way. They end up getting to the destination and they end up having dinner together. And as they're having dinner together, all of a sudden, hang on, hang on a minute, this is Jesus. Their eyes were open to see Jesus. And then Jesus tells them a few things and then he's like, I'm out of here, I've got things to do. Off he goes. And they get up from dinner and they run back to the city. They run back to the city to find the disciples, the first disciples and whoever else was gathering with them because there was more than just the original ones there. They run back to the city and they say, it's true, it's true, it's true. Jesus is alive. But one of the things that they say is this, in verse 32 of chapter 24 in Luke's gospel, they say in the moment of revelation, they say this, where they see that it's Jesus. They say this, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us? The society of Jesus The people of Jesus in the earth, the body of Christ in the earth are the people of the burning heart. So my question is, I know it's a little bit, the temperature's a little um, humid in the the room today. Don't focus on that right now. Just, Just take a pulse of how's the temperature in your heart. Just, just, just take a pulse. How's the, how's the heat? How's the presence of the fire of God in your heart? And if it's a little low, I would want to suggest a few things to you. Firstly, this. Get around a table and start eating with people. 
reject isolation and come into fellowship and relationship. You can go and hang out in isolation any day you want. The enemy will meet you there every time and tell you they don't want you, they don't love you. Poo-hoo. I told you you were right. Don't live from your poor emotional intelligence. Live from the Lordship of Christ who rules and reigns in our heart. Live from the fire of the presence of Christ in our hearts. Nicky Gumbel, the um, writer of the Alpha Material, he tells this story of how there was this young, zealous Christian, young man. He was on fire for God. And he was coming over to visit this old man who'd been following Jesus for his a long, 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 long time. But this young man, in all of his zeal, was coming to meet with the old man and they sat together at the front of a fireplace. And as they're sitting in front of the fireplace, the young man, he was so on fire and so zealous. He was telling the old man every single reason why he didn't need the church. Church is too old. Church is too slow. Church is like blah, 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 blah. You just listed it all off because I'm on fire for God and I'm a zealous man and we got to make this happen. And the off he went, you know. And the old man in his wisdom, he takes a pair of tongs and he reaches into the the coals in the fire and he takes out the brightest and the hottest of coals and he just takes it out of the fireplace and puts it just at the front of the fireplace there, out of the fire, but just out the front and he just lets this young man keep talking, this fiery, zealous young man. And over time, that red hot coal just got darker and darker and colder And the flame nearly, nearly went out, except for the wisdom of the old man. He just picked up that coal when it was nearly snuffed out and he put it back into the heap of the coals and it came alive again. And it was on fire again. At which point the young man went, I think I've answered my question. Thank you. And he left. See, what they said there in Luke's Gospel 24:32 is, were not our hearts, not wasn't my heart on fire. There's no individual perspective there in that Gospel message. Weren't our hearts on fire? When he was, weren't they burning within us? Weren't they burning with us when he talked with us? On the road, when he opened the scriptures to us, I don't think that's a mistake that Luke wrote it in that tense. I think there's a very strong point he's trying to make. Some of us try to live the Christian life like the young, zealous man on fire for God, and we try to do it all on our own and on our own terms. But the reality is the more we do that, the more we die. God's called us into this amazing gift that no one else on planet Earth can give the community of Jesus, the people of Jesus, the body of Christ. Sure, she might look a little old sometimes, might look a little dated sometimes, might not have all the latest bells and gadgets and buzzers, mightn't be on the front page for too many good things, but she's God's church and he loves her and he needs people to jump in the fire And the way to jump in the fire is this. 
walk together, eat together, open the scriptures together. And if you're not doing any of that, we call you to it because it's life. There's life waiting for you. Eat together. Thursday night was amazing sitting with these folk. 27 years they've been in the fire together and they're still in the fire together. They ate together. They shared stories of Jesus with each other. They referenced the Gospels in their conversations. God was among them and they left, though a little bit sleepy, on fire. On fire. On fire for Jesus. How is your temperature going in your heart? Are you walking with Jesus in daily intimacy and friendship with God? Are you opening the scriptures? We have got access to so many tools. I mean, a massive plethora of tools to be able to access the Bible. If you can't read, it's okay. There's audio Bibles. Just get one on your computer. Get one on your smartphone. Put it in your... Just, you know... Whoever listens to Death Leopard, let that go and try shoving in your earpods and listening to the Gospel of Mark on the way to work in the train. It was you, wasn't it, Trent? <laughs> um, there's so many tools available to us. I mean, like daily reading programs. I got this one that just gives me a little reminder and a little help. It's like every day it just says, Hey, Kirk, you missed your Bible reading today. Do you want to go and visit it? Actually, I do. Reading the Bible, listening to the Bible. I love being together with the small group of men that I get to meet with only once a month though and I wish I could do it more but my vocational circumstance can't frame that up for me. But I get to meet with these guys once a month and I love what I do is I bring pizza, we eat. Everyone has to bring a Bible. We open the scriptures together. We tell the stories of how we're going with God in the context of the Scriptures and together, we, us, together, navigate this journey with Jesus together. And the guys that I get to do that with, I'm watching them. They're coming alive to God more and more and more. Eat together. Open the Scriptures together. Meet with Jesus together. The Holy Spirit is moving in renewing power right across the church in our country right now, across the vineyard and other denominations. There is a moving of the Holy Spirit and with that will come a newfound hunger to want to open hearts to Jesus and with your hearts, your homes, your home, your address. Even your own vision of yourself. Well, I could never host anyone in my home. What, what would I have to bring? God has resourced you with your very resources to be a gift to the people around you. Open your hearts, open your homes, open your very selves to the purposes of God. How could someone like me serve a God purpose? Just allow your heart to be fueled with the love of God. A kingdom life in 2019 is a wholehearted lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that knows the experiences of both pain and joy. Of walking in places of great hope and even the shadows of hopelessness. 
of devastation, of separation, and the ecstasy of genuine relationship. All of that. The wholehearted life. Don't live the protected life. Live the one that Solomon talks about. In being a follower of Jesus, I've continually found Jesus leading me into places where I feel like I am on a daily basis weighing over my head. I've got three kids to care for. I've got one going to university. I've got another one doing year 12. I've got one just about to do year nine. I'm just like, I'm weighing over my head this whole parental responsibility thing. And here I am living by faith, crying out to Jesus that somehow I'll, he'll, he'll make sure that I get paid every week so that I can care for my family. Oh, sign me up. Sign me up. Don't live the measured life. Don't live the risk-averse life. Live the wholehearted life. In being a follower of Jesus, I feel way over my head and I often feel so very underqualified to be a resource or an answer or a sense of help to someone. My goodness, it could only be God <laughs> to think. I'm just like entertaining myself here for a moment, jumping into the headspace of God like... Father, Son and Holy Spirit are having a chat. Here's a great idea, guys. It's always been on my heart that Kirk and Nicole are going to be the national directors of a movement of churches in Australia that's going to have influence in Australia and plant churches in Southeast Asia and they're also going to be involved in making decisions for the body of over two, helping partner with 2,000 other vineyard churches around the world. Hey, that's a great idea. Let's let them in on it. I mean, if they, if they only knew... But they do. But they do. I feel so underqualified so much of the time and I have to just fight that that because that underqualification thing wants to just shut, shut me out of the invitations from God into these places where he wants to show me who he is and who I really am in him. So that the next time he says, hey, come this way with me, I'm like, I've been there before. <laughs> we can go there. Now, the outcomes might be a little different, but that's okay. I'm okay with those spaces now. I'm okay to sit with people when they're dying. That's a little awkward sometimes. I'm okay to go and visit little children in hospital who are like, you know, on, on the edge of death and, pr and praying for Jesus to resurrect their bodies and they come alive again. I, I'm okay in the awkwardness of that. I feel totally underqualified all the time, but I'm okay to go there because I know Jesus is there waiting for me. The kingdom life is a wholehearted life where I also feel not completely resourced. <laughs> it's like I, the circumstance requires more resource than the resource I have. But that's the way of God. He says, come on, follow me into this life of the kingdom. It's my kingdom. I have the resource. You get to follow me. Let me give you what you need for the situation. The wholehearted life. And the last thing is this. On a daily, on a daily basis, as a follower of Jesus, I feel incredibly vulnerable. Vulnerable. All the time. These situations of God's loving invitation are the moments of discovering just who it is that is wholeheartedly living within me. 
Jesus came and placed his life in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. These invitations from God towards you and towards me is for us to know just who it is that's actually wholeheartedly living within us. Just looking for some permission to break out. Looking to reach through with the fullness of who he is so that I can discover who I now am for the sake of the world. It's it's, it's not just about you. It's not just about me. It is about us and it is about the world. C.S. Lewis said this, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung out and possibly broken. But if you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully, round about with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or the coffin of your own selfishness. Oh, come on, C.S. Lewis, be gentle. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will be broken and it will become unbreakable, impenetrable irredeemable. As this year begins and the Holy Spirit comes to you and comes over you with fresh love from the Father and freedom in Jesus to set the course for you to live all of the little luxuries that we've invested with the hope of avoiding a vulnerable life come into play. They come into play. God, give, God lives within us and he lives so that we no longer have to live within the constraints of the coffin of our selfishness. Follow the invitations to the vulnerable place. I guarantee you, you're going to get one this week. You're going to get an invitation from God to say, follow me. And it's going to feel vulnerable. You're going to feel under-resourced, over your head and very unsure. Follow him there for the sake of his life in you and through you and through you for the sake of the world. Scott McKnight says this, last quote, I'm finishing. McKnight says this in his book, A Community Called Atonement. He says, The kingdom of God in short compass is the society in which the will of God is established to transform all of life. All of life. Not get to heaven, transform your actual daily living existence with the Lordship of Christ. So let's finish. How's the temperature in your heart? How's the fire? How's the sense of vulnerability? Are you paying attention to that vulnerability right now? Because that's Jesus saying, follow me into this. Let me be Lord for you.
Remember we sang that beautiful song? He's a good, good father. Is he calling you to walk daily with him? Is he calling you to intentionally walk with others and stop isolating yourself? Is he calling you to discover again the power of opening the scriptures? And for some of us this morning, God is inviting us. Let me have your closed heart and I'll give you the guarded heart. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that um, you're with us. And Holy Spirit, we, we just acknowledge and honour your, your moving in this room and your moving in our hearts and minds and body. And we invite you now just to come with more, more of the... the reality of the fire of Jesus in our hearts. Come. There's a bunch of, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, there's a bunch of folk in here today that have made all these little vows in themselves. You wonder why life's a bit hard and you can't seem to advance and you can't seem to get over and you can't move beyond and you feel stuck and you feel shamed and you feel all sorts of just short-changed. And the Lord says there's all these little things you've said to yourself that the enemy has used as permission to come hard against you and ensnare you and trap you and beat you down. I'm never going to let them touch me like that again. I'm never going to let myself be set up for that sort of thing ever again. I'm just closing that part of who I am down right now. If you've made some of those little vows, they're just, and they happen like so fast. They're just like in the split second of a conversation that you're having with someone, and it's like the ouch factor, and then it's like, no, that's it. I'm just shutting that down. That's the closed heart. That's not God's will for you. That's not the way of living a whole life. If, that's, if you've got some of that going on this morning, just, just come down here because Jesus wants to set you free from the power of those little covenants that you've made with yourself and that the enemy has used as permission to hold you in prison and keep beating you up as he does. All those little, those little vows, those little covenants, those little statements that you've said because Jesus wants to set you free. So we're just going to start praying for you and 
God, I just thank you for my family that are out at the front right now. And I just invite you, Holy Spirit, would you come and bring the kingdom of the Lord Jesus to them? Come and bring the kingdom and the power of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ himself to them. Let the accompanying power that sets the captive free, that sets the captive free to live the kingdom life, let that power just come to their hearts, come to their mind, come to their body, come to their hearts. And I pray that you'd empower them, Holy Spirit, just now to be able to hand, hand those little covenants, those little declarations to you, Jesus. And in exchange, Jesus, you'd just speak life to them. Give them a whole new life. Come, Holy Spirit.